saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter to all of you this Tuesday, May the 3rd, already May, as the light of Christ shines on us with a new book, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. We start this new book from the beginning. That begins just like John loved to do in his gospel. In the beginning, he starts these words. And we spoke yesterday with Pastor Worth, Warren Worth, of how John breaks down the simplicity of the gospel for us. So we slowly go through this epistle epistle and second John and third John, because often I know for me, if you've ever read the Bible all the way through, you get to this point and you're just like, let's get the revelation. Let's do this. But one of the purposes of first, second and third John is to encourage the faithful, whoever this letter was written to. It's, it's obvious that he's encouraging the faithful because there were people probably leaving their churches, people that were denying the faith. Confess their faith and confirmation, and they disappear. And we start looking inside. We start blaming others. We start looking and saying, well, if we just did this, this, or this, then they would have stayed. But the reality is he brings it back to our hope. Our hope is in Christ who grows his church. He is the Lord of the church. He is risen from the dead. And we're not going to save anybody by trying to figure out our own issues. What we do is we're saved through Christ. That is what we have. Fellowship, light, love, sin and evil, forgiveness and grace, and eternal life. It's all there for us today. May that be our hope. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready. Ready you. Thank you to our friends at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest, Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kaivi Shalom. He, and not here, I'm not there, but in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Parviz, a blessed Easter, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Hi, good to talk with you. Blessed Easter to you as well. Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Hallelujah, brother. So tell, tell me, what's going on for you, your family, and the saints at Kaivi Shalom? Well, following Holy Week, I'm just taking a deep breath. And we're, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> this becomes uh, sort of in the spring here. It's uh, after Passover's over and Easter is past. We're enjoying the Easter season and we're enjoying the rest that Christ gives us in this time. And I tell you what, Pastor, I think... With that in mind, well, first of all, this is great meme that I saw where it had the empty tomb and 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 it showed the women were there and it said, you know, it said Christ is risen. And then below it, it had a pastor on his couch sleeping and it says Christ yeah. is risen, but the pastor is sleeping, you know. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So pray, pray, it's reminder it's to nice our listeners. The, it's nice that the church calendar now gives us a bit of a break, certainly when... Uh, I'm really hopeful that our with with the pandemic lessening and 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 things getting somewhat back to normal that we can start street outreach here pretty soon. Uh, looking forward to that for the summer. Um, we've actually began with uh, St. Patrick's Day. That's sort of the the inaugural of our street outreach season. So that was kind of nice. So yeah, but it's uh, but it's good to take a couple weeks off and just rest and reflect on the rest that Christ gives us in His death and resurrection. 
Amen to that. And that's just a reminder for all of you, our listeners, to pray for your pastors. It still is that reality, even though we're a couple weeks away from Easter, we're still kind of in recovery mode and not in a way of, of uh, how do you say it? We don't do anything, but it, it definitely is one of those things where to rest in that peace takes us a little bit longer. So pray for your pastors, your church workers, yeah. teachers, and everybody as we recover from the Easter season. So Pastor, on that note, uh, we rest in the peace of the Lord. So can you begin um, and pray for the Lord's wisdom, but peace as we study his word today? You bet. Abba Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for this season of rest. We know, Father, that as uh, you rested from your works on the seventh day, uh, you allow us a Sabbath of rest in Messiah Yeshua, and we thank you for that, for we rest from our works and trust in you and in his work for us. Lord, give us joy in Jesus. Give us uh, your Holy Spirit to uh, give us insight into this reading. Four verses today. I don't know how we're going to get through that, Lord, but you you will do that. And, and Lord, we thank you that you have uh, brought uh, the beauty of spring, which gives us the hope of rebirth and renewal in the resurrection. In Jesus' name, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Uh, apologies, I didn't mean to laugh during your prayer, um, but I, uh, I totally uh, agree. I totally agree. That's the humor, so. <laughs> okay. You know, man plays and God laughs. That's a good, that's good right. Yiddish. Good Yiddish. <laughs> so if you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call us on this live program, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, I want to start with these words before we read our text. There was a, a, a movie back in the day. I think it was, ooh, what movie was it exactly? I can't remember right offhand. But it was a they were talking about life, and they were like, we can't figure this out. And so they're like, you know what? This kind of reminds me of this book. And it's this big, huge book, classic book. And they're like, well, what does it say? And then he opens it, and he says, let's find out. And he just starts reading. In the beginning, basically, is how we started. And I think that yeah. is what First John's about, that, that we're, 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 we can get overwhelmed with all the details of, of church and the Christian life and what's going on in culture, everything. This is a perfect book for us to take a step back. And like he says, that which was from the beginning. Now, Pastor, I'm, before I even read this, why is it important for us Christians to go back to the beginning when life kind of seems very complex and broken and uh, no light, why is it important for us to go back to the beginning, like in First John? Well, I, I just, you know, obviously, the, I mean, John's focus, both here and this first, uh, and I know that we think of this as an epistle, but I think of it more as a sermon. But mm. in this, uh, in this first of his three epistles, as well as in his gospel, he. Mm grounds it in the reality that our Messiah has, has, is, was, and always will be. And, and you know, in the beginning, he was there. And, and so John is going to ground us in the reality that all the saints who have ever gone before us and who have trusted in the promises of God, all the way back to our first father, Adam, uh, um, that, that's grounded in Messiah Jesus, and the plan of salvation was put into place even before, even before all of this was created. And uh, it, it shows 
honestly, uh, I think for us as created creatures who are, you know, failing with with a lot of things in our lives, uh, failing in our in our spiritual righteousness, failing in, you know, sometimes we see ourselves as failing as parents. And, you know, there's just all kinds of things that we can, uh, um, we can, you know, cry about. But the reality is God has loved us from our inception as a people. And that's an important hope that gives us a good look to the future. We can easily be that the Christianity kind of started when I was born or something, or I guess Lutherans, well, Christianity started in 1517 or, you know, it's Christian. Well, it started in zero D or something like that, where love said that it goes back to the very beginning when God and his wisdom decided to create this universe out of love. And there was Christ. Um, so pastor, let's just get into the text. Like you said, it's verses. I was commentary. I, say that I read every single word, but in the commentary, these first four verses had 45 pages worth of uh, commentary to read. So there definitely is enough here for us to be able to dig in. And like I told our listeners, we want to go through this slowly because I think it really is an important reality for us. Let's dig into the word. We are reading from the English Standard Version. We'll be reading verses one through four as preaches um, this epistle. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was from the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Like you said, Pastor, this is really a sermon, an epistle. We'll talk about it. Um, How do you want to start us off? Well, you know, I think one of the things that I... And I, you know, I, I missed Warren's, I missed your study yesterday, so I don't want to repeat what Warren went through. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality is that I, I've always struggled with John as a Jewish believer, uh, mm. because John uses phrases like for fear of the Jews. And, you know, and I, I certainly understand in the context in which he's using those phrases. But one of the things that has always bugged me about the, the Apostle John is his use of the phrase in the third person, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. And, and and yet, the reality is, John was one of Jesus' young cousins, and I would think that Jesus would have um, really taken John under, under his wing, so to speak, and, and loved him even more so than uh, than perhaps others, because he was family and he was young, and, and you know, it's, it's an easy thing to do for Jesus in the flesh to, to take that familial relationship and carry it to John. And John carries that forward. And the joy about John is that John, of course, was young enough at the time of Jesus to be this witness for the second century. 
Uh, I mean, he writes this epistle, What I don't know what uh, what you guys talked about yesterday, but somewhere in the same realm of Revelation, somewhere 90, 85 to 95, mm-hmm. something like that, uh, late in his life. Uh, and he's seen a lot, and yet here he is testifying into the, the next generation, the, the next century, uh, for for the believers who will come and see. And, you know, you know here we are 2,000 years later, um, we we have to live by faith, you know, and I, I am always taken back to, to Jesus's words to Thomas, you know, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Mm. That's us. But right. John here gives us this grounded testimony of something that he has seen. And our faith in those words causes us to see. Um, and I think that's really important. Now, the, the one of the things that's odd about these first four verses, and even into five and following, all the way really into chapter two, is that John uses the <clears throat> we. And I don't mm, think that's mm-hmm. the royal we, because he'll go to the first person I in chapter two. Right. Um, but the, it's not the royal we. I think he's making an apostolic witness that he's talking about all the apostles who were with him, I and mean, he's he's giving a witness to, you know, they've all all gone now before him, and he's making this solid declaration of faith uh, for the sake of not just himself but all the apostles who witnessed these things. And that's and that's something I caught as well. Is like you said, uh, Pastor Worth and I did talk about the dates and the time and all those kind of situations. And and here it is fascinating to see the word "we," especially as we often will refer to it as a epistle. And even if you go by the sermon, like you mentioned, you know it's kind of like "we." But there's a lot of times where we we believe in God the Father. You know that confession of faith that we make. Um, that we believe these words. And so there definitely is that communal aspect, the community that John is definitely not making this just me and Jesus. This is this is a communal situation. And everything I read uh, it just speaks, speaks about how there was a need for unity in the church, whoever this was written to. There's obviously was concerns about life, uh, love, uh, fellowship, uh, uh, sin and grace. I mean, there was all these things you can just tell what's happening within the church. And so it definitely is something that I find today, because how often, this is so important, because today, how often in the church do we have some kind of controversy, which is going to happen because we're a bunch of sinners, that you have that controversy and we need to just go back to the beginning. And wh- what better way to start but one, you know, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we his children. I think, I think that really relates well. Any other thoughts? Well, I think that you said it well about, you know, focusing on the point rather than getting all caught up in the details. You know, in our, in our pericope series in the three-year lectionary anyway, we're walking through revelation right now uh, in our, in the church. And, you know, John has such a focus, and I think I personally think this is, not, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really kind of rallying to be the shock jock of KFUO. So, um, <laughs> but, keep, I, I, I hesitate to say this, but keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, I, I think this is Pastor John talking to his church in Ephesus, probably. 
and and they're having some kind of probably dispute. There's lots, you know, just like Paul had to struggle with the uh, with the uh, the anti Judaizers, so to speak, the ones who who came along behind him and tried to to take away his authority and and to give new teaching and all of this other stuff. Um, John has those detractors as well, perhaps less so for, you know, maybe there's not the itinerant preachers walking around behind John uh, undermining his teaching, but there is all kind you know, by the time of the end of the first century, already you've got all these heresies coming up. And John is basically focusing on the family aspect, the point of church, the point of the fellowship of God is that we're all children of God and we're all, and you know, families do have their disputes, no question, but generally, you know, we have this phrase that blood is thicker than water and Mm -hmm. the blood of, of the lamb is way thicker than anything else. It should hold us and bind us and keep us together. Uh, And I think John is just, I think he would be, Oh, just so grieved by the separation and the split of the church over the right. over his vision of the revelation. You know, ever since the the early 1900s, the church has been splitting over all these details and missing the point. And uh, and that's just got to grieve John. So let's start digging in because I, I think we could talk a lot of these generalities. But I, I encourage you, our listeners, to think about okay, how can I? This unity that I have with Jesus connects me with my brothers and sisters in Christ in that forgiveness that Christ has. And so I, we all need to go back to the beginning. And and I just encourage you to think about these words being words for you. So begin verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, obviously, I want to in one sense. However, uh, he brings us back to the beginning. How would you how would you help us understand these words? Because it talks about what have they touched, what have they seen, what is this word of life? As he speaks from the beginning, how would you describe that? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm a simple man. I, I think he's talking specifically about Jesus, and you know, again, we're back up in that upper room. <laughs> The week after, uh, the week after he, Jesus says the first time Jesus showed himself to his disciples, and Thomas doubted, um, and 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 so through John, uh, the the point is well made as it is in the Gospel of John. This Jesus, whom we touched, we saw, we walked with, we ate with, we lived with, he was with the Father from the beginning. He is. It's not just the incarnation that brings us the Messiah. I mean, there's there are so many people in John's time and in today who are saying that Messiah is just a man. Uh, Messiah is not, you know, it's, it's someone who's not perfect. It's someone, you know, if there's a Messiah at all, um, you know, he's not going to be the son of God. He's not going to be God himself. He's not... It's just a man, and that's a heresy, and that's a that's a mm-hmm. Jewish heresy today, and it may be other. Uh, I suspect in Islam they have the same kind of heresy there, um, uh, and John is is grounding it and saying this is this person who we lived with was there from the very beginning with God the Father, 
Uh, it is it is absolutely not just a human. I mean, there's all kinds of you know heresies going on in John's time, and many of them are saying that Jesus was just spirit and had no flesh. Right. Uh, today, the heresy is Jesus was only flesh, and and that was it. Uh, but he's he's just making this very clear that that this Jesus, whom we who who I who I am the disciple who he loved, right, um, was there with the Father before all things. And you can and you can see the you can see the inception of our creeds right here, mm-hmm. especially the Nicene Creed. In what part specifically? What do you, what are you what are you thinking? Well, I mean, you know, so we have the the Apostles' Creed, which seems to be a very uh, straightforward creed, creedal statement, and something that we we love to um, to proclaim as well. But the Nicene Creed, you know, begotten from the Father before all worlds, God, you know, th- that all that language in the Nicene Creed is is what John is talking about here. Hmm. Because it, it, very God of very God, begotten, not yeah. made, being a was substance with the Father. I mean, the, the language definitely feels was it Johannan or John, John, Johnish, if you will. And, yeah. and it, it, light, light of God of God and light of light, which is obviously a very clear theme when we look at John as well. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's a confession of faith. Yeah. Yeah, you can't read the Nicene Creed or proclaim the Nicene Creed or even think about the Council of Nicaea without seeing a Johannine influence there, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And he wasn't. And, don't get me wrong; he wasn't alive by then. But he lived a long time, but that would be crazy. <laughs> but, but certainly, the early church fathers who took John's testimony and carried it forward carried it into the Council of Nicaea. Oh, I'm into that, and that's why John is such an important book throughout the history of the Church, and our confession, the clearness of that confession that John, John had by the power of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. I love the language, like you mentioned with John, with Thomas, that, that, that language which we looked upon, okay, so we saw him, all right, you know, and this goes back to John chapter 20, when you talk about him appearing to the disciples, but that we touched him. In John chapter 20, he shows them his hands inside. But when Jesus is with as touch this, basically, uh, yeah. believe. And there's, there's, that, there's that reality, that physicalness that we all, unless we touch it and see it, we will not believe it. And then with that, meaning that you and I have not touched Jesus, we have not seen his hands inside. And he calls us blessed for those who have not seen, but yet still believe. And I almost feel like that's just etched into John's mind as he says yeah and and of course you know by faith we do touch Jesus right. uh, we taste Jesus you know he feeds us with his own body and blood and that's our upper room experience every Sunday when we take the Lord's Supper you know Jesus is saying here touch me believe and he gives us this faith that the Holy Spirit pours into us in the Lord's Supper. And so, Pastor, as we look at this, um, you also have this other uh, language that you'll see throughout John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And it, we're going to get to verse 2 a little more, but you have that that word of life. Like you said, this, this points us to Jesus. And I think that's an important language for us of a new life of life in Christ, walking in new life, if you will. So the word of life, any thoughts on that? 
I mean, obviously, Jesus is the Word made flesh. I think that John is carrying forward that sort of. Um, I mean, you can. I I think that honestly, the Gospel of John was perhaps written after the Epistle, um, mm-hmm. and and you can see him sort of working through what he's what he wants to write, you know. And God is of course inspiring him. And he does so in good Jewish fashion, in this spiraling sort of way that grows upward and outward, as the as the the confessions teach. Um, you, you can see him sort of working through the words that he wants to share with the with the next century, um, and so he's he's talking about here the life that was made manifest, the word of life. He, he's thinking. The the creative we're back in the beginning again. The creative word that that the Father used to create life, He spoke. Jesus is the word, and uh, and that gives not only life on earth, the creative power of life, but that word that we take into our hearts is also the word that gives us not just life physically here, but spiritual life and life eternal. And so this is not just, uh, you know, it's not just a concrete thing. You know, all of the things about him touching and living and even, he doesn't mention it, but eating fish together, um, all of those things um, are true. But the life that we have through Christ is not just corporeal, it is eternal. And so here's here's kind of a brings us back to confirmation once again. But a, a question we all have. I know one pastor mentioned that he had a Bible study and he just asked the Bible study, "Hey, you know, does Jesus still have a body up in heaven?" And there were many people who are like, "Oh no, he doesn't have a body anymore." Yeah, right, that's yeah. not good. And and so yeah. you have you have that reality, the touched part that okay, this is a physical body, but I even want to go further back. You sit in confirmation class and you ask, "Okay, did Jesus exist? And what will most kids say <laughs> when he was born? I hope yeah, most kids. Yeah. That's where they'll start. And it's important for us to know that Jesus was there from the beginning. And why is that? Like I said, it's, it's, it's you know they have that. If he doesn't have a body, then we got issues. But if Jesus didn't exist in creation, what's the problem? I mean, it sounds like well, you know, Christmas is nice, Easter is nice. You know, Jesus was born. You know, before that, he didn't exist. What's the problem with that, Pastor? Well, I, what I think is interesting, you bring up confirmation, but um, I was just a guest speaking at a chapel, I guess, uh, and uh, at a chapel at a local Lutheran school, and they had the classes all split up, and they had preschool through first grade in one chapel, and then second through eight in the other chapel. And uh, I, I was talk. They wanted me to come and talk about Passover because it was right before Passover and Easter, and so um, I asked the kids did Jesus celebrate Easter? Um, And the second through eighth graders all said yes. Uh, And then the the kindergarten or the preschool through first graders said, no, Jesus hadn't died yet. Um, They they understood at their very young age that Jesus celebrated Passover and that Easter was the celebration of his death and resurrection. and so it's funny that kids get this more than than older than, than especially adults. Adults don't get this at all. 
um, uh, they want to just focus on the details and split hairs and do all the things that, that adults <laughs> can do. And, and I think that's, that's endemic of, the, of Jesus's teaching of, of faith as a child. You know, mm. we just accept these things and we don't necessarily have to nitpick them to death until we don't believe them anymore. Well, and let's that's, uh, that's, keep going. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just gonna, I was going to say that we should we'll we'll continue our nitpicking. Let's yeah. do that. Let's get let's get the nitpicking after our break. We are studying First John chapter one with Pastor Kevin Parvees. We'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying First John chapter 1 with Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kaivi Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri. And Pastor, we you know you you worried that we might not get we'll get through four verses too really officially gotten done with verse 1 probably cuz we're knit. So <laughs> let's get back to simplicity like you said of a child, the the faith of a child. Verse 1, do you have anything else as John begins this epistle? I think we could move on. All right. <laughs> Very good. In verse 2, it continues, obviously, following the theme that we hear about the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Pastor, I can't help. You know, And this is interesting dynamic, as you said. I can't help but think of John chapter 1 as he's writing. And it is interesting for us to maybe ponder, but we don't really know for sure. What was written first? The Gospel of John? First John? Um, which one would have been? The argument yeah. can be made both ways, but definitely it you it's almost like and I would encourage open up to John chapter one and kind of see some of the similar language similar language. Um so Pastor, he continues in verse two. What are your thoughts? Well I, I love the the manifest word that yeah. he uses there. The uh, and I I'm trying to think. You probably know what's the Greek there. I, oh I no, look. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> let me, I, I let me try to do a quick point. search. But go ahead. But, but the, the the way that that because that language is incarnational language, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is um, it is the thing that was made manifest to the shepherds. It's the, I mean, the 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 when we think of the epiphany, we think of the 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 word that made manifest to these foreign scholars who studied the word and and studied the stars and and knew something was coming and followed it. Um, 
it is it is something from outside of us that is made clear to us. Um, and I, and I, if I remember, the Greek makes that kind of that makes that clear, uh, clearer at least, that this is the thing that God does for us. I mean, it's very personal. He makes He makes this manifest to us. And then John says, the life that was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, that, that was made manifest for him. Uh, and he takes that, I mean, at least he, as one of the apostles, takes that very personally. And I, and I think that's something that we've a lot of times lost, especially in our Advent preparations. We should be talking about the manifest will of God, that which was made manifest. That we should be, I mean, truly, I mean, rejoicing in the fact that God loves us so much that he manifests himself to us. I mean, it's one thing just to give us the scriptures. I love them. Don't get me wrong. And they have been carried (laughs) forth. They have been carried forth by, by human hands for, you know, generations and centuries and millennium. But, uh, this, the, the God, we can receive the scriptures in in the best selling book of all time and throw it on our shelf and study it and read it, hopefully. Uh, but the, but God makes himself manifest to us personally, not just through the scriptures, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what draws us to want to study the word. And yes, nitpick it sometimes, but hopefully not get so lost in the details that we miss the point. And, and John's point, both in the gospel as well as here, is that God loves you. He loves you so much. And, he's, and it's a very personal, personal love. And this is where um, you have, uh, for example, the, 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 the Greek word for manifest is the Greek verb phanerou, you know, phaneron. Okay. And to render apparent is, is kind of how it, it's spoken. Um, and, and so it... it, it go ahead. Yeah, okay, yep, yep. And yeah. that's, so that, that is a very... Uh, when Jesus, and it goes back to John chapter 20, that Jesus appears to his disciples and says, peace be with you. I mean, that just wasn't him saying, you know, hey, calm down. It's going to be just fine. It's, it's him manifesting himself and who he really is, which is that prince of peace. And he's come with his forgiving grace as well. So, yeah, to render apparent is, is what I found. Of course, there might be some other sources out there as well. Yeah, um, and, and the word, you think of the word phenomenon. It's something, a phenomenon, and it's, this is not menomena, which is the nice little wraps <laughs> of it. But um, a phenomenon is something that we see and are amazed by. And, um, and, and Jesus doesn't just come in and say, peace be with you, shalom, which is a peace that ex- extends past what we think of peace in the Ukraine or peace in China, but it is a, a peace with God. Uh, it's the peace that God gives us in the ironic benediction. And then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. That's where our peace actually comes from. And so as we look at at verse two, the the life was made manifest, and we have seen it. So that goes into the touching and seeing, mm-hmm. 
and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father, which was with the Father is made manifest to you. So there's this very clear, not only have we seen it, not only have we touched it, but this is to be told. This is something to be preached um, because we can we can easily like, well, just don't give me your religion. Very clear oh, yeah. here that this this is good news for us to proclaim with joy. Your thoughts? Well, and that is that is the thing. It's so hard sometimes because our ministry is primarily a ministry of procl- proclamation. You know, we have to tell people about Jesus, and and that's you know that's all we have. We don't have. I've said this before, the, the Jewish community today generally does not need our food banks, our clothing banks, our social ministry, all the things that we like to, quote, piggyback the gospel onto, and often never actually piggyback the gospel onto, but just provide for the needs. We, and, and John makes this so clear that he wants to testify to these things for future generations, and we need to carry that apostolic fervor forward. Uh, You know, it is simply a matter of proclaiming what we know, what has been made manifest to us. Yes, John had the the luxury and and the beauty of actually having seen, talked to, touched, heard, eaten with Jesus. We may not have that physical experience, but we do through His Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the, through the Lord's Supper and the, all the sacraments, and we need to testify to that to the generations that come after us. And I think that is, uh, at the end of the day, that's what we have as a church. At the end of the day, that's what we have as KFUO, right? I mean, it's the Word mm-hmm. being proclaimed. That's, that's what we got is, um, I had a, there was a, a wonderful man in our congregation when I was on Vicarage, who was just not a very nice guy. He, he had he had issues. He was a vet. He had major PTSD. And he would have outbursts all the time. You go visit him and it was just, oh man, it was it was not good. But what he would do is he would always end those visits. And you, you were hoping it came earlier as opposed to later. But he would say, you know what? I'm the worst of sinners, but Jesus has died for me. That's all he had. I mean, he literally had nothing else, no family, no money. He was, you know, being basically being paid for by the military. He had nothing except for Jesus' blood and his business. And think that is what it all comes down to. And it doesn't honestly matter what we have, if we have money or family or clothes or anything. Ultimately, we've got nothing except Jesus' blood. Because you can't, the only thing you can take with you to the grave is Jesus' blood. Mm. And that's, listeners, that's exactly what you have, is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. That's what we give to you. And you know what? That's what Pastor and I need to receive as well. So it has been made manifest, and we believe it by the Holy Spirit, and He physically still comes to us today. Pastor, anything else in verse 2? I think think we're going to continue this theme I mean, and it's interesting that you're doing, when I saw verse, you know, John 1, 1 to 4, First John 1, 1 to 4, I thought, wow, a whole hour on four verses. But um, <laughs> you're going to see in, in verse 1, he says, we've seen this with our eyes, we've looked upon, we've touched. Verse 2, we've seen and we testify. And then yeah. in verse 
and it was made manifest to us. So he repeats that, but he repeats it with a greater point. It's not just that we've seen him, but he made himself manifest to us. And now in verse 3, we're going to continue with the testimony of the human experience, but for a different point. And I think this is the, you know, as is often the case, we're kind of wired with threes because of the Trinity, I believe, and be, us being made in God's image. We like the, the rhythm of threes, and we get to this third verse, and, and we're going to see the same thing over again but for the, for the major point that John is trying to get to. All right, so let's read it, verse 3, and now I'm anticipa- anticipation is overcoming me, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So like you said, he kind of repeats himself, the greater purpose is revealed, and what is that? And the, re- the greater purpose in this third third round of proclamation is the fellowship that we have, not just him with us, and not just us with the Father and the Son, but us with one another, too, our fellowship. And this this is the pastor talking to his congregation that is arguing over the color of the carpet in the chancel. Uh, you know, and, and now they're mm-hmm. going to split and Church is one across the street, the red carpet church and the blue carpet church. Um, <laughs> this, this he's 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 talking to that to that that sinful inclination that we have even in the church to break our fellowship with one another over stupid things. Mm-hmm. And so it begins with uh, fellowship. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really trying to break down my thoughts on this because it really is profound. And this is why I think for you, our listeners, this is an important passage for you as you're involved in your church because we can easily just make this about me and Jesus. And then you deny a lot of the benefits of being part of a community, the blessings, let alone God wants you there. But secondly, the blessings that manifest through that. And I'll say this is that, you know, yesterday I had a, a I was really for the first time in my ministry, I was there with the family when one of our beloved members, they had to take out the, the, um, the, the, what do you call it? The ventilator. And, and, and that was one of those moments where, you know, that's where the blood of Jesus is what we need. And this is the blood of and believed in the blood of Jesus that we sang and proclaimed and prayed and blessed in, in that name um, throughout that whole time. And that community aspect of it is so powerful for those folks and a witness with their, their their children are involved in the church and all of that. And it's so powerful that what do we have in that last breath but, you know, the, the blood of Jesus? And what has, has God given us throughout our life? The fellowship of others and, and in, the, in that fellowship of Christ. So this fellowship with Jesus extends out beautifully into the life of the church, which can be darn messy, like you said. It's just a messy thing. But yet it is blessed by God, especially when we're able to bring it all back to why are we here? And that's why John begins in the beginning. And, and, and we know that this is not, and that's the nice thing about all the apostolic witness. I, instead, in, in fact, all of the scriptures is there's nothing new here. This is from the beginning. This is the message that we have heard. Um, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they got into it. They had a split. And yes, we we rationalized, I suppose. Well, then they got double the work done. 
you know, if there's a blue carpet church and a red carpet church, maybe they're reaching out to twice as many people. Uh, but the reality is, Paul is, our, Paul is making this same argument when he talks about the Lord's Supper, you know, that we, we dare not bring our, our disputes before the blood of Christ, or we, we risk taking it to our condemnation. And so this whole fellowship issue is so critical. Uh, and I think in many ways, and I was talking with another pastor here in the area who's exploring the whole concepts of Sabbath and what does that mean and what does it mean for fellowship and all of that. Um, you know, growing up in my community, we had the Sabbath ritual because we were constrained by the law that we couldn't do anything else except spend time in community. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to carry money. You're not allowed to drive. You're not allowed to walk very far. You sit around and you argue and maybe you gossip and you talk about the scriptures and you drink shivas. Um, but you're in fellowship with one another. And, I, and the struggle that I had when I came to faith and I started looking at the church was that we will spend our hour and a half or so at church and then we go. I mean, there have been times when I've preached in churches and I've barely gotten my vestments off, and the lights are off, and the elders at the door waiting to let me out. <laughs> I mean, we we don't speak, we don't live in the fellowship that that God desires for us to do, because we let the lawn or the buffet or whatever the heck we do get in the way of the fellowship that we have in Christ. It, and, and this is something that how, how would you encourage? Our listeners, and I think encourage me too, because I've I've had the same struggle. And and let's be honest, there there were times in my life, and and maybe still today at times, where I loved Good Friday growing up because Good Friday, one the Word of God clearly that we had some of the theatrics of of the tenebrae service. Once it was done, of course, I grew up as a pastor's kid. My mom's the organist, and so getting out of church when you couldn't drive was forever. I mean, we're talking forever you left. So Good Friday was great because everyone left in silence. It was great. Everyone was right. gone instantly. But, Pastor, there's, I like how you capture this. There's that fellowship dynamic, especially in the book of Acts, especially how Paul speaks in his epistles, that is vital for us as Christian people. How would you encourage our listeners to, you know what, this is important, this fellowship with other Christians when you're in church, after church, before church, um, whatever that might look How would you encourage our listeners to make sure you're part of that, even when there can be some struggles? Well, and I, you know, and again, I don't, I don't really want to be the shock jock of KFU. Well, yeah, I do, but, um, but you know, I do want to encourage with with the gospel, though we sometimes do need a good dose of the law. But the reality is, and John, this is the endemic to what John is writing in this sermon or epistle, uh, is that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is about family. Now, yeah, there's times when our family is pretty dysfunctional and we don't get along all that well. But generally speaking, I think, I hope, the word family gives us that warm fuzzy that we, you know, these are people who we know. We know the origin. We know the history. We're so comfortable with because we have no, you know, we don't have to put on any airs. Uh, this is just family. And I always say to our congregation, you know, every Sunday it's a family reunion. We want you here because when you're not here, we miss you. And and we and when the service is over, we break bread together. We schmooze. You know, it's not like it used to be. I, I have to confess. Uh, and yes, there are times when 
I just want this people to go, but, um, but really it's, it's a family reunion in, in which Jesus, our elder brother and God, our father are here as well. And we are all, and we, we know everything about one another and we don't have to put on any airs. We can just sit and enjoy each other's company and, and bless each other in Christ. And that's there's just something really beautiful about that, and, and that's, that's why that's something that's something we didn't have growing up in a Jewish community. We, you know, we certainly had the fellowship, but it wasn't family. Uh, it was it was fellowship for the sake of the law rather than for the sake of love. And that's where. I love how you know of this congregation, Bethlehem Lutheran Church in North City of St. Louis. They would always say, Mm -hmm. good morning, Bethlehem family. And that's how they would kind of start their announcements or at the end of church, those kinds of things. And that's and that's what I extended here at at my current church at Messiah Lutheran. Um, You know, good morning, Messiah family. Um, And why? Because, well, you know, let's be honest, our family gatherings are not always great and they're not awful but they're not always great there needs to be forgiveness there needs to be grace there needs to be patience um, for other people with us and us with other people and and within that though there is there is joy I mean that that joy is something that John is recapturing and he's reminding the church that guess what there is fellowship here and it is a joyous and fruitful enriching thing so pastor anything else before we get to verse four well, I would just say, too, that, uh, you know, our families may be dysfunctional, but <laughs> unless they're really seriously dysfunctional, I think the one thing that most people can agree on is, well, my aunt is a nut, but I love her. Um, you know, love is the thing that binds us together. We love, you know, love conquers all things. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. we, can, we can put up with our crazy aunt it, because we love her. You know, she needs somebody to love her. So, uh, you know, that that love and that's, you know, our congregation, we we have our crazy aunts. I'm the crazy father. Um, <laughs> but, but we love one another. And, and you know, that over that that undergirds and also covers all the the Michigas that goes on in our family. And this is a theme throughout First John chapter four, like First uh, John, excuse me, but chapter four. Something I was reading this morning: there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Um, and, yeah. and this is just that that love piece that we will continuously see throughout this book. So, Pastor, let's get to that last verse, verse four, because this obviously connects us to John. I believe John chapter ten, but it definitely shows us the joy always have to remember because that joy is in Christ. So verse four, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So once again, pastor, he continues that we theme, which is that I would say that apostles proclamation, the truth of what they preach, but also the fellowship of the Christians. And uh, so why are, why, why are they writing this? Why is John writing this to Christian people? Well, I, you know, and I, Again, I, I uh, take this for what it's worth. <laughs> Probably when John wrote this sermon slash epistle, the rest of the apostles have been martyred. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and he's yet still speaking for them all. But in some way, I think John is also speaking for himself, because he also knows that, you know, he, 
I don't, he doesn't get martyred. So that's the blessing of John. Um, but he's, his time is coming. He's, he's older now. And so this kind of complete joy really comes when we die in Christ. I mean, life in the flesh has all kinds of trials and tribulations. Um, you know, it has the crazy aunt, the, the goofy father, the guy that's a little off color in the family, uh, all of those things. Um, but when, like, when you experience the, and, and I've been in that situation for many families, as I'm sure you have as well, uh, that's kind of one of the curses or the the burdens as well as the joys of being a pastor is being with families in at, at times in which life is ending, the life on earth is ending. Um, there's just, a, it's a it's a hard thing, but there's a joy about it, especially for people of faith, right? Um, that's, I think John is wrapping all that up in that. Mm. Uh, this fellowship is so important. I'm writing to you these things so that our all of us apostles who have gone before you, our joy may be complete. The time is coming for you as well. Uh, and we want your joy to be complete. Uh, that joy can only be found in the family of faith. And I've been to a lot of Jewish funerals where there is no sense of relief or joy or anything. There's just, there's, there's nothing. They don't, they, there's just nothing but wailing. Perhaps not literally anymore. Uh, but certainly the tearing of clothes and uh, the, the uncertainty of what death brings. We don't have that uncertainty. It's sad in many cases. Sometimes it's a relief, uh, but it's always a joy in families of faith. And it reminds me of the words of Jesus that John would have heard from John chapter 15. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that joy, your joy may be full which is where he's yeah. speaking about, I am the true vine, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Just that connection to Jesus, which I like how you said that, that the reason why this fellowship is important is not because we need another coffee hour in our life or that we need another soul club in our life, but because that connection is in Christ. That joy yeah. is in Christ. And, and that's an important thing to always remember. Why are we here? In Christ, you know why? Why do we have joy because of Christ and the joy of His death and resurrection? And so that's what their purpose of writing this was. Pastor, we've about a minute, minute and a half left in our time. How would you encourage our listeners and summarize these four verses that we've gone through? I guess simply you know, for us, the manifestation of God in the physical form is in the Lord's Supper, and that is a supper of fellowship. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a supper that goes, you know, through all of us who are communing together and then all the way through time to all of our brothers and sisters who have communed with us, uh, both now and our grandchildren who our grandchildren who will commune with us that we may not even know yet. Uh, that 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 whole thing is a is a is a meal of fellowship and family, and it gives us the joy of eternal life. And and I and I think that as we as as the body of Christ struggle with the people in our church that might be the you know the challenging people, and, and struggle with the fact that we don't know it, but we're the ones who are the challenging people. Um, 
we just rest in the love of Jesus and and in, and rejoice in the joy that He gives us. Uh, I think John's joy that that is complete as he writes these things is your joy as well, and uh, and and hold on to that joy and regardless of what goes on in the craziness of your church, that's your family and love them and, and, and they will love you uh, and rejoice in the joy that is Christ Jesus. Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom, St. Louis, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from John, 1 John chapter 1. Pastor Parviz, thank you for bringing us his gifts. And thank you. It's good to be with you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.